or, or how many of you might be willing to be stretched a little bit outside your comfort zone here today? Just raise your hand if you are. I just want to look around. You know, you want to be stretched. Oh, wow. There's not too many people that want to be stretched here today. Okay, this is going to be fun. This is, I was praying before this and thinking everybody's going to be into it. Okay. So, um, let's read a story in the Gospel of Mark. If you have a Bible with you, you can open it to Mark chapter 6. And it's one of the, the few stories about Jesus that's in all four Gospels. And that's because it's really important. I won't give you every reason why, but it's one of those uh, miracle stories of Jesus. And it starts in verse 30, Mark 6, verse 30, where Jesus is going to feed 5,000 people. Well, 5,000 men, probably closer to 15,000, 20,000 people. Mark starts in verse 30. He says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So, get a sense... It's just like 24-7 activity, and, and these guys have been out, the, the 12 apostles that Jesus, the first 12 leaders in the church, he'd sent them out on this ministry trip. They came back, they were excited, but they were tired, and there was just day and night people coming to Jesus for every kind of need you can think of. So everyone's sort of fried at this point. So Jesus said, hey, let's go and, and do some R&R. And so they get in a boat, and they're going across the lake, and it says, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. You know, someplace that was quiet and uh, not so full of energy. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Now, in, in the other versions of this in like in Luke and Matthew and John it says he taught and he also healed so he did that was that was his his MO his modus operandi was Jesus would teach and he would heal and he would heal and he would teach so and the people that were coming towards him he could just tell these people their lives they're frazzled so it, this story starts off everybody's frazzled do you see that the, the, Jesus is probably tired, all the, the 12 apostles are tired, all the people that are coming to him, everybody's kind of fried at this point. By this time, oh, so he, he's been teaching him, it says, by this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late, so send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Sounds reasonable, Right? A lot of people there. People are hungry. Uh, they probably, this is sort of one of those spur of the moment kind of trips that all these people had made. Maybe some of them were prepared for it. Most of them weren't. The apostles are looking at, and they're, you know, they're learning to think about the, the crowds of people and care about them. And they look at them and they go, wow, these people are going to get hungry. Jesus sent them on their way to these villages so they can get some food. Jesus surprises them at this point. He says, you give them something to eat. Pregnant pause there. You know, the disciples go, what did he say? Could you say that again? You give them something to eat. Of course, they're just stunned. Like, what? Say what? 
us, and then they go, you know, it would take more than six months' wages to, to feed all these people just a little bit. And so Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? Verse 38, go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down on the, in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Now, you've you got to get the sense, this is like a banquet. Jesus is setting up a banquet. He's the host, he's, and, he, and there's something happening here. Taking the loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks, he broke the loaves, then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketsfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. And the number of the men who had eaten, just the men, were over 5,000 people. So, back up for a second here. When was the last time you had one of those projects at work or, you know, home or whatever that just kicked your butt? You're just completely wiped out. You know, you got no energy. You have no, you've gone through all your reserves. Tell me how you, just think about one of those times. Maybe there's, you know, where you work. (laughs) That's your regular experience every Friday. Think of those times for a second and, and out loud, tell me how you felt during that time. Exhausted? What? Depressed? Depressed. What? Dropped. Dropped. Okay. What else? Challenged. Challenged. Hungry? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Victorious? Oh, there's a positive one. So uh, probably most all of us have had one of those moments in our life, right? So I just want you to put yourself in that, the place of of these 12 apostles who are traveling with Jesus. Just, I just want you to get a grip of where they were. They were not at the best place, okay? And then Jesus is taking them out on a little vacation, like just a break. And they're in the boat, and they're just waiting, oh, this is going to be so good to have a break and not just have the demand of people all the time. And then they get to the beach, and there's a crowd waiting for them. I'm not sure they got out of the boat. I think Jesus got out of the boat took care of the crowd, the guys that were in the boat sleeping. But at a certain point, you know, Jesus is teaching and healing. They get out. And then the disciples, I think, probably as human beings, just go, hey, these people look as fried as we are. Jesus, would you send them on their way and help them, you know, encourage them to, to go to the, to the local village because they were on the edge. There's a, this is probably near a town near the Sea of Galilee called Bethsaida. And there was a part of... Uh, that that was that was more rugged and out in the middle of nowhere. They were probably Jesus was probably going to that place just to find some place to, to rest and take a break. And so these at this point the disciples look at the crowds in their need and they are looking at them there's a shift that Jesus is taking his, his, his disciples through, and it's the same kind of shift he tries to take us through. And sometimes we're a little, a little reluctant to, to get with his plan for us, but their story and our story is always parallel. We can always see our story and their story. Now, this may sound like an extreme story, but where I want to take you today, I want to show you it's not extreme. 
they were learning to see themselves in a different light than they'd seen themselves. When Jesus saw the crowds, he looked at them and he knew the basic plight of a human being is they're sheep without a shepherd. In other words, we're disconnected from God. God isn't in the center of our lives, and so we're distressed. We're distressed in every dimension of our lives. Because, you know, we live, I live in the Dublin area, and I can tell you from my interaction over the last, you know, how long have we been in this building here? Since 1970, 1996. So 20 years of interacting with a lot of Dublin people. I can tell you, people who have a lot of resources, you know, financial resources and power and things, doesn't mean that they have what makes life work well. In fact, many times people have acquired that and, it's a, and it's, they hope that when they get that, that it will make their life work better and they find out it doesn't. And some people just, you know, stay on the treadmill of trying to get more and more and more, hoping if I just get more, I'll, I will feel different inside. And, you know, you can see it on people's faces, no matter how well they dress, you know, no matter how well-spoken they are, well-educated they are, you know, socially uh, adept. You can see on their faces that they're sheep without a shepherd. And that's where all of us are, okay? But Jesus comes along, and he is the good shepherd. Now, to Jews, one of the most uh, meaningful parts of the Old Testament of, of their old Bible was Psalm 23, where David said, the Lord is my shepherd. And so what he said was, I'm a sheep. And at one point, I was a sheep without a shepherd. And then I realized that God wanted to be my shepherd. And the relationship between sheep and shepherd in those cultures, and as it is today, is if, if a sheep doesn't have a shepherd, it won't be very long before it's a pile of wool and bones, because it's going to die or it's going to be eaten. Or it's going to get itself into some kind of predicament that it can't get itself out of. And then it's going to be eaten. And then it's going to be a pile of wool and bones. And so sheep, uh, everything is a predator to sheep. <laughs> there isn't anything that uh, almost except, uh, you know, except the smallest microbiological organisms that aren't predators to sheep. Sheep are defenseless. Their teeth they, they couldn't, you know, uh, injure you. They, have, they, they just have no natural defenses. And so a shepherd is what makes a sheep's life work. And so Jesus saw the crowds and he said, these people need to know that God will be real to them. He'll be their shepherd. But they, we, you know, the, the Bible says is we experience God as our shepherd through Jesus. He's the way that we can actually know him and we can experience God in a real personal way. And you look at Jesus interacting with these guys, all these crowds of people, and he had this sense that he carried and people saw it in him. He's like the God of our fathers. The way he acts, he acts like the God of our fathers. And they were drawn to Jesus. It was just this amazing thing. He had this attraction about him and, and when you read the Gospels, you see this person who was, in many sense, very ordinary. That he wasn't like this uh, striking, huge person that just, as he walked, you know, the crowds parted. Uh, he, he, as the Gospels describe, he was just ordinary. But he was God in the flesh. 
He was the God of the Jews who had come among them. He'd become flesh and blood. And the, the disciples were people who, these 12 apostles were ordinary men that Jesus had called to follow him. And he said, I, I, have, I have something really special for you, but I have something special for other people through you and other people through you and other people through you. And so and at this point, the disciples, when they look at all the need of the people, they don't think Jesus could do anything about that need. Because their solution was, send these people away to the villages. And in one of the other accounts of this, Jesus tells them, he says, listen, if I send them away right now, they might like faint from hunger on the way. Because they've already traveled and rushed out to this place to find me. And probably didn't take much provision. Now you want to send them on. He was a good shepherd. He knew this is not going to work well. But the disciples weren't thinking. They, I think they were, like most of us would be at that point, they were exhausted. They just wanted to get the people out of their hair, and they wanted to be able to rest. And they wanted to be able to spend some time with Jesus. So they're at this point where they're going, we're spent we're spent, Jesus. We got nothing. They got nothing. We got nothing. And here was the one who had everything standing in their midst. And I want to just stop for a second. I want to show you where they were in their journey and why. When Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat, this was a natural next step for them. So look, look in here in chapter 6. Go back a few verses to verse 7. It says, and Mark 6, verse 7, it says, Calling the twelve, that was the twelve apostles, to him, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority. And it says he gave them authority over evil spirits. And he gave them these instructions. And he said, in verse 12, They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil, and they healed them. So they started doing the stuff Jesus did. Do you see this? So... There's this simple pattern that, they, that we all follow. Jesus does the stuff and we're drawn to him. And then we begin to realize he's calling us to be able to live life the way he does. Everybody, ordinary people, the most ordinary people. Then, he, as he does the stuff, we watch him. Then pretty soon, he gets us doing the stuff and he's watching us. And then pretty soon, he sends us out to do the stuff and train other people to do the stuff. So at this step, he sent the 12 out. Now, some people want to object and say, okay, I get where you're going, John. You're saying that Jesus was training these 12 people to do this stuff. But, but you know, they were special. The apostles are, you know, the 12 first leaders of the church. But ordinary people like us, you can't really, I mean, that's really not God's plan that we, if we were in this situation, that we could actually be used by him to multiply food to do a miracle like that. Well, and if you go to the book of Luke, it describes after, in Luke 9, it talks about the 12 that were sent out. Then in Luke 10, it says this. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two. So all of a sudden, there's this larger group that Jesus picks who weren't the 12. They were other unnamed, ordinary people that were following him, he sent them out. And it says he gave them the same authority and power. And at the end of it, he says, whoever listens to you, listens to me. 
And whoever listens to me, listens to him who sent me. And if they reject you, they reject me. And if they reject me, they reject him who sent me, God. And it says that the 72, they went on this journey, they came back and they said, Lord, even the demons listen to us in your name. So what they had, what they had realized was that Jesus had this power and authority that they'd never seen before. But what was most striking was that he was giving them that power and authority and saying, I want you to do what I'm doing. So the stuff you see me doing, I want you to do it, and I want you to teach other people to do it. They didn't, they saw a limit to what he could do. Even though in the Old Testament, Moses multiplied food in the wilderness, and God provided through Moses for year after year after year. So in their history, God had done miracles of provision like this. One of the prophets, Elijah, he had done miracles of provision. And I think Elijah, Elisha did too. So it wasn't unprecedented, but they couldn't see because they're, they, they had a growing faith in Jesus, but they couldn't see that he was capable of that. So he was going to do two things. He was going to show them that there was nothing impossible for him, that he was the good shepherd that would provide everything but that he was going to use them to be part of that provision. Because this was part of the, the whole training loop that he had them in. Now, this is where we get stretched. Because most of us are just trying to be nice, right? I'm just trying to learn to play with the other kids well, right? We've been talking you know, all, all this whole winter about loving well, hospitality and generosity, and a lot of you are just going... Yeah, I just want to be nice. That's what I'm, I'm going for right now. Like, that's a high bar for me. I'm trying to be, play well with the other kids at work. But God has that and more for you. In this story, Jesus says to them, you can do this stuff. But what he did, he assumed this posture. And you have to understand, whatever they saw Jesus do, they were trained to know that's what we're supposed to do because that was what rabbis and disciples did. When a rabbi had students, the students were learning to do everything he did. And so Jesus was taking it to another level to be sure, but they were trained their whole lives to understand this is the relationship between a rabbi and his students. And so Jesus is... is, He's taking this posture with the crowds. He says, I am the good shepherd. I'm the host. And one of the themes that, that's from the Old Testament to the New Testament is that God is a host, and he's, and he's a host who sets a banquet for us. The Old Testament, the highest point of Israel's history in the Old Testament was where Solomon was king. And he would have, every day he would have these huge feasts Israel was so blessed by God in so many ways that people from all over the world would come and Solomon would have this feast that never ended. It was like the best buffet in history. And people from all over the world would come and, and Solomon would, would, would teach and, and they, he'd answer their questions and they would go away and they'd go, God is real. And the banquet was the symbol of God's blessing. And so in the New Testament, you see Jesus doing this banquet thing. He uses a banquet theme in his parables. And then the, the book of Revelation, it ends with a great 
banquet, the wedding feast of the Lamb. So this theme of banquet, the Lord's Supper, even though it seems kind of meager, it's a picture of the coming kingdom that's going to be a kingdom of feasting. So they're out in the wilderness, and Jesus assumes the role of the host. But what he invites the disciples to do, and what he invites you to do, is he wants you to begin to see yourself not as a guest, but as a host. Because he said to the disciples, he said, I have compassion on these people. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray for the Lord of the harvest to raise up workers, shepherds. And so Jesus positioned himself as the model shepherd. And then he called the apostles and he said, I want you to be shepherds and hosts also. That I want you to see the need around you and realize that I provide for those needs, but I will provide for those needs through you. I will use you to provide for the needs of people, the sheep that are without a shepherd, in very tangible, specific ways. So, he asked them to sit down, again, see the banquet, in groups of 50 and 100. Then he takes, the, 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 they give him what, the little bit that they have, five loaves, two fish, and he lifts his eyes to God, he thanks God for what he made, and then he begins to break it. And the disciples are there with these baskets. And he's putting a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish in the baskets. And then as they go with the baskets to the groups of people, the food multiplies in their hands. In their hands. Now, say you're going, you, you know, Jesus puts a, a, a half of a fish and a, a little piece of bread in your basket and you start walking all of a sudden the basket starts getting heavier and you look down wow there's more bread in there now you walk a little further and you look down well there's more bread in there and pretty soon you're going like this and you go over there and the the group of 100 people walk over to the basket and there's all this bread in it they don't know what happened this is the wild thing about the way God works is it doesn't make sense to anybody where wherever Jesus was logistically positioning himself the people were scattered all over the place they didn't see how it happened but the disciples were the ones who had to take the step of faith to go to Jesus take the basket and then walk out there but what they're doing is they've already seen Jesus use them to heal the sick they've already seen Jesus use them to cast out demons now all of a sudden he's bringing them into a new place where they're stretched and they're really stretched because they're tired. They don't have much food. They don't have much faith. But w- what they did was, if they were willing, and this is the, the truth, ordinary people like you can do Jesus' stuff if you're willing to be stretched. Every one of us in this room, our journey is parallel to their journey. And I guarantee you, at this point in your life, Jesus is saying to you, it's time for you to see yourself in a, in a new light. You've been a guest, you've got to begin to be a host. You've been a sheep, now you're supposed to become more of a worker and a shepherd. All of us are moving in that transition. But it isn't that we can do it, because the disciples came back to Jesus and they said, even the demons are subject to us in your name. It's about him. It's not about how big your faith is. Because sometimes we think, 
for me to do what God wants me to do, I gotta feel good. I gotta feel good about myself. I gotta feel good about the situation. The truth is, you're more primed to see God work through you powerfully when you feel the worst and the most out of it and the most unprepared. And I mean, when, when, you're, when you're, your mouth is totally dry and you can't get a word out and, and your hands are sweating, that's a sign God is ready to do something. When, when you, you can't think of a Bible verse, you can't remember how to pray, that's where God meets you. That's where these guys were at. Do you see these 12? It's a picture. And the, the thing was, this story is not a story that's for the crowd. If you read this story, no one in the crowd says one thing. All the dialogue is between Jesus and the apostles because the story is for the people who are following Jesus. It's not for the crowd. There's other stories for the crowd. This story is for us. It's for you. Can you see your story and their story now, how parallel it is? That you don't feel any more adequate for what God has for you than they felt adequate for that. And they, it didn't make any sense that God could do this kind of thing. Period. They didn't think Jesus could do it. And so Jesus, they had, to, they had to respond to his word and trust him. In other words, they, had, they could do the stuff that Jesus did. Ordinary people can do the stuff Jesus did if they're willing to be stretched. And they were willing. They weren't always willing, but at this point, that's one of the good parts of the story. They're willing. So Jesus prays, breaks the bread, gives it to them. They distribute it. It multiplies in their hands. And at the end, it says that they have 12 baskets full of bread and fish left over. So, just pause for a second before we go into the meat of this. You see a lesson there? Anybody want to take a shot? Just what, what speaks to you? They had five loaves and two fish. They give to Jesus. Feeds all these people. And then afterwards, they have 12 baskets full there's 12 apostles, 12 baskets full left over of fish and bread. What's the, what's the simple lesson in that? Come on, you guys. Okay, what else? Jenna? Give to God, he'll give you more back. Yeah, he'll provide for you. Anybody else? Anna? Okay, God does usually does exceedingly and abundantly above whatever we can imagine. Yeah, there's lots of lessons in there. Now, here's where I want to take you. Uh, We can't do this ordinary stuff unless we're willing to be stretched. So, for some of us, what we have to risk, our five loaves and two fish, is maybe our reputation. Are you going to be willing to look stupid, to look foolish? to be misunderstood, to fail. Others of us, it's our resources. Am I, you know, maybe you're the, the little boy with the five loaves and the two fish, and you give that up. In the economic thinking of the times, you give away the five loaves and two fish, you have five loaves and two fish less than you had before, which is, you know, not a good thing. Maybe that's part of what God's doing. 
Maybe it's just control. That in your life, you constantly position yourself to be in control. Do you think these 12 guys, as they went with their baskets to Jesus to cooperate with this whole scheme of his, do you think they felt in control at all? They didn't even think of this idea. They didn't think Jesus could do it. And now he's got them being the people that have to go with the basket. I mean, can you imagine if you're walking to a, a group of 50 people and you got a little half a, 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 half a piece of bread and the, you know, the, the head of a fish for all 50 people? Do you feel like real comfortable with that picture? <laughs> do you th- how do you think you're going to look when you go there and you stand there with the basket that's got nothing in it? What if you went to the group of 100 people and you had that? It's even worse. They had to be willing to give up control, to give up their resources, to give up their reputation. Maybe there's other things in there for for you, for you to follow Jesus into this new role of being a host and not a guest. Instead of just being a sheep, being a shepherd and a worker and someone who, who owns the responsibility under God for the sheep without a shepherd around us. That's a, that's a challenging idea. So what I want to do today is just, we're just going to pray for a few minutes. Uh, so it's, it's a stretching moment here. I'll, I'll, we're going to see who is willing to be stretched. How many of you are here that you've never prayed for someone and seen them get healed? Like you prayed for your aunt who lives in, you know, Winnebago, Wisconsin. And you heard that she's out of the hospital now. And you're grateful. But you've never prayed for someone, person to person, prayed for them to feel better right there and see them improve, recover, get healed. How many of you have never experienced it personally? Okay, just hold your hands up. All right. Look around. There's, there's... Okay. What I want to ask you guys to do is, I want to ask you to... Be stretched today. And I'm going to show you how to, just a simple way to pray for people. And I want you to, to pray for people. And we're going to have someone tag along with you and just stand there beside you so you aren't just on your own. So, uh, so that's one half the equation. The other half the equation is who here has like chronic painful conditions of some kind? Illness, sickness, you know, diabetes, whatever. Okay. Who else? That you, that, that you would let us pray for you. Okay, why don't you people stand up? The, the people that, that we could pray for, just stand up where you are. Now, some of you are people that wanted to also to, be, to pr- help us pray. Who else? Uh, there, are, there are people here who have, you, you've, been, you've been dealing with chronic fatigue. Like, it, it, you're just tired. Like, it doesn't matter how much you sleep. It just doesn't seem like you can get over being tired. If that's you, stand up. I think there's more people than just one, but, okay, two. Who else? No shame in it. It's just, you know, when you're a mom and you have kids, you get tired. Anybody else? Okay, so, those of you that have never prayed for someone who you've seen improve while you're praying for him. I just want you to go and stand by these people. Like, if, Katie, you guys split up a little bit so people can know. Okay, so uh, 
It, now, here's the thing. If, if you, if, I'd, I'd like to pray for you second. If you, wanted, if you never prayed for someone that's been healed, we want you to pray first. Then we'll pray for you. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? So, because some of you said, I've never prayed for anybody and they've been healed, but I also want to be prayed for. Let us, I want to push you into the, into the ether a little bit and let you pray for people first. Okay, so go and, and stand by the person that's, you know, just pick a person and go stand by him that wants prayer. Dick and Cindy, you guys spread out too because you wanted prayer. Okay, go ahead. If you haven't prayed for someone, go and stand by someone who's standing. You've never seen someone get healed before. And you may say, well, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. I don't even know if I believe in God. It's okay. God believes in you. It's not about you anyway. It's about his authority and his name. Okay, now, what I want you to do is just real quick just say what's wrong. Ask them what's wrong. And you don't have to tell anybody. Just they'll tell you what's wrong. Okay. Then what I want you to do is I just want you to say, oh, oh uh, ask them how much it hurts, like on a scale of 1 to 10. We call this the Nolan scale. 10 is a lot of pain, 1 is almost anything. How much pain are you in right now from that? How much, is there any discomfort at all? Tell them. Okay, now once they tell you, this is the simple part. This is the easy part. I want you to pray for them, but I want you to keep your eyes open, and I want you to speak to whatever the sickness is, and just say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command this diabetes to go. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command this back pain to go. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command these cataracts to go. That's it. Whatever it is. Just one sentence. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command this to go. Just do that. Then ask them how they feel. And ask them to test it. Can you tell? Is there any improvement? Just do that real quick. Keep your eyes open when you pray. Eyes open. Eyes open. There you go. Okay. Now. If, it's, if, they're in, if there's no improvement or if there's a lot of improvement, wash, rinse, repeat. Say it again. Pray the exact same thing you prayed. Just, if, just pray several times. You will start seeing improvement. Okay? Say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command this knee pain to go. Then ask them, how's it going? And test it. Okay. Ask them again, how's it feeling? Pray again. This is the third time. Okay. Stop and ask them again. How's it feeling? See if there's any change. Pray, pray again. This is the fourth time you prayed for him. There you go. Okay, ask him how it's feeling. Okay, one more time. Five's a blessed number. Pray for him one more time. Then... Speak to the condition, tell it to go. Okay. Anybody, this is always a risk, anybody, tell me about any improvement you saw. The person that got prayed for. Say, this is where it was, this is where it is now. If you can tell. Yeah. Yeah. What were you praying for? for her fatigue to go away. Okay. And Katie, how about your experience? Do you feel anything? Um, now, be, listen, when we ask you these questions, be brutally honest. Nothing happened. Just say nothing happened. Right? That's part of the, the deal. 
I do have a little bit more energy. I'm still kind of tired, but it's not as like, I'm not, don't feel as drowsy. Is drained? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Katie's getting married in a few weeks, so she's, <laughs> it's understandable. She's feeling a little drained with all the stuff going on. Okay. While we're talking to other people, can you pray a couple more times for Katie? Just for that. Keep going. Go ahead. I've prayed for his back and leg pain to go away. And as I was praying for him, he started moving his back and leg around and telling me that his level, his number from seven went to four, then to three. Then to like two or one. So it's, it's better. Can you move around and just see? See if you can like stress your back a little bit. Yeah, it was my, actually it was the back and like my hips. Oh, okay. So. All right, cool. Seven to one, awesome. Hallelujah. Who, who else? Anybody else see any improvement? If you didn't see any improvement, just say, yeah, no improvement. Dick? Radiating from my hip down to my foot, and the foot feels better. The okay. pain in the hip is still about the same. Okay. Okay. So could you guys pray a couple more times? Dan, any, any change back there? Cataract issues, and uh, we're praying for that, and I saw like a degree of improvement. Okay. Can you pray a couple more times for him? Sure. All right. Corey, how about you? Any change? Weird change. I, yeah. Uh, I have a chronic rib pain, but it, it, it like, moved, like, locations every time we prayed. Like, it, it kept shifting. Hmm. Does that make sense? Like, it was here, and then it was here, and then it was here. A- any change in the pain? I mean, it's, it's very mild anyway. Yeah. Like, cat and mouse were chasing it around the rib. Okay. Good. She's going to pray for you. Uh, back there, any change? All the way back, Jay. Run back there. Okay. Less fatigue, I guess. More energetic. What we described it as. Okay. Pray in it. Pray. Pray again for all these folks. And we do one more. Just check in with them, and and uh, that will we'll do a little switching, and then we're going to call it a day. Go ahead. Just pray a little more, just to get see all the pain go. Okay. Now, you guys pray for Jenna. Ask Jenna because you wanted prayer, Jenna, or something. No? Okay. Vittorio, you want a prayer? Okay, you guys pray for Vittorio. He wants some prayer for something. Uh, I, th- I thought you raised your hand for prayer. Is that right? I was going to exhilarate. You felt energy. I felt, yeah, an exhilarating energy, phys- it, a physical throughout my body. Is that usual? No. Okay. Just, maybe you're like an energetic guy. Oh, I am an energetic oh, guy, but, but I... Not like that. Felt at that moment with those words. Okay. I, it happened. Okay. Hey, could we just for a second, uh, if you just close your eyes, could we just pray for you just for a second? Uh, Lord, we, we want to bless Vittorio right now. That, that that energy and that grace that he feels from you would just increase in his life. Just from your head to your toe, Vittorio, we bless you. You just know right now God is, is smiling on you and putting his hand on you. That, that he knows you and he loves you and he's pursuing you. And we just speak to any weights that might be on your life right now just to drop off the weight of any burden that you're carrying right now would just drop off of you. Lord, we put that burden in in Jesus' hands right now, right where it goes, that Vittorio wouldn't bear it anymore. 
We bless your body just to be free of that right now, Vittorio. Amen. So anybody else got a, a story? Tell us quick. Any difference? Any, any more improvement? Corey? Steele? Any more improvement? Um, great. Ooh. Um, last time they prayed for me, I felt it was like I had a vertical, a vertical twinge, like went down and away. Pull it closer. Put microphone. I had, last time they prayed, I had like a, a twinge that was vertical in my, from my back into my hip. And then as they prayed, it kind of went like horizontal and just faded from there. Good. Now listen, simple lesson, simple takeaway. If someone tells you that something's bothering them physically, just say, hey, can I pray for you? Pray a real short prayer right now. And they, they might not be comfortable with that. Say, okay, I'm gonna, I'll be praying for you that, that, that God will, will make that better. If they'll let you pray for them, just do just what I said right there. You just say, in the name of Jesus Christ, just command this headache to go. In fact, somebody, I heard somebody say they had a bad headache when they came in. Who was that? Well, it was you? Okay, good. Is it any better? Okay, cool. Uh, that'll be seventy nine ninety five. <laughs> that's the, uh, just pray for people when you get opportunities go from being guest to being host a guest just looks and says oh it's too bad you know the host says I have some ownership I'm, I'm a shepherd I'm not a sheep anymore and pray for them right there you will be surprised at how God will touch people uh, any, any change, Danny? Any, any further clarity? Just a little improvement? Okay. Yeah, cataracts a lot of times are the kind of thing you have to keep praying for, and they start changing the more you get prayed for. Corey, anything anymore? Went away? I think so. Okay. I mean, it's still, you know, I've been, like, pressing my ribs, so it's kind of sore from that, but the... the... Okay. The, the initial source doesn't feel like it's there anymore. Yeah, I feel kind of... Okay, kinda good. Loose. Katie, you still feeling better? A little more energy? Okay, good. Thank you, guys. All right, sit down. We'll, we'll, we'll finish. So, th- it's just a simple takeaway. This, the whole idea of generosity and hospitality, it, it, it really extends out past where we thought it could go. God's generosity and his hospitality are meant to be demonstrated everywhere we go. And it, it doesn't matter how tired you are. It doesn't matter how fried you are. It doesn't matter how weak you feel like you are, how little your faith is. Because you don't even have to, in a certain sense, believe that something's going to happen. I know there's a faith element in everything. But these guys, I don't get the sense that they had any faith. I think they just acted in obedience, and God came through. Because oftentimes obedience is a sign of faith. And I don't mean every time there's going to be a positive outcome. Every time you do this, there's not going to be a positive outcome. That's part of loving people and caring for people. It's not about the outcome. It's about being loving and caring. That in itself is, is worth uh, a lot to people. So anybody have a question before we close? Or, you know, an objection, a concern? Sounds like I'm just sending you off. Yeah, Jenna. That's a good thing to be. It, some people just never become a host. If, 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 if you need a break sometimes, you need a break. You need to receive. You need to rest. Yeah. 
That's good. It's good that you're aware of that, Jenna. So I just want you to know, you have my permission to, to rest when you need to. And I'm, I'm really being serious. Feel free to, to do that. Don't, you don't always have to be on. Who else? Any other question? Or maybe you have an observation about this kind of thing. I know there are people that don't like doing this in church. But it, it's in the book. Okay? It's in the book. This is part of what Christians are supposed to do. And I know it makes you feel a little on edge and a little nervous and awkward. You think, I don't want to bring people to church when we do this kind of stuff. So, John, can you just tell us the week before so we don't bring friends? Well, that's your reputation. That's your reputation issue. Uh, If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to look silly sometimes. You're going to look, you know, not your best. But, hey, God loves us, period. It doesn't matter. Uh, Anybody else? Okay, good. Hey, thank you for uh, your willingness to risk. We, we grew a little bit by doing this, and I want to encourage you to, to, to you might not think that you'll ever do this again. Uh, you thought, I don't know how John, I don't know how you got me to do this today, but I'm never doing it again. Uh, but I just encourage you to be open to letting God put you in these situations where you pray for people, your, your friends, your kids, family members, people at work, strangers. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll end with a, a story. I was at a restaurant the other day. I was sitting with some, uh, some other friends who are pastors in town, and they're trying to learn how to do this kind of stuff. And so we're sitting there, and I'm explaining to them, you know, when God shows you things, it's kind of like an intersecting thought. It just goes through your mind, and you notice it. And I said, you just notice. And they go, I don't know what that means. And so we're sitting at this table, and it's, it's the middle of the afternoon, and so the restaurant we're in is kind of cleared out. There's the uh, workers are cleaning up the tables, and I saw a lady next to me who, uh, she was uh, like cleaning the table off, and I, I looked at her, but I looked at her hands, and I just immediately knew this lady's got some pain in her hands and wrists, and so I said to these guys, I said, I was trying to explain that to them, and they go, how do you hear that? And I go, let me just show you. So I, her, she went from there over and sat with the manager, and there's a couple of workers, and they were having lunch, and so I walked over to them, I said, hey, uh, can I pray for you? I'm a Christian, and I, I, and so I asked her, I said, can I pray for your hands? I think that you have some pain in your hands or wrists, and she looks at me, and, and, uh, and she goes, no habla inglés, <laughs> and I go, oh, this is going to be awkward, so I said, do you, do you guys, Jose, the, the manager, Jose, do you speak English, and he goes, uh, 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 of course I do, you know, I just waited on you, John, as I'd introduced myself to him when I was buying, as I'd never been in the restaurant before, so he, I said, would you tell her that, and, and she goes, she goes, uh, no, my hands don't hurt. And I'm thinking, oh, great. And then the lady right there goes, says something to her in Spanish, and it says to me, her hands hurt all the time. <laughs> you know, I don't know why she told you that. We work together. Plus, she has a terrible headache. And so I said, okay, can I pray for you? Just pray, simple prayer like that. And, and, and uh, she goes like this. And she goes, she says something to them in Spanish, and they go, it's better. It's a little better. And I said, can I pray again? Prayed again. She goes, Oh, it's a lot better. She goes, a lot better. I said, can I pray again? She goes, oh, the pain's all gone. And then Jose, the guy who, I don't know if he's the owner or the manager, he, he looks at me, he goes, would you pray for my knees? I can't play soccer. <laughs> he says, I can't play soccer now because my knees hurt. And I go, okay. Put my hands on his knees, prayed for him, and I said, walk, and, and I said, move around. And he goes, I said, do something that you can't normally do. And he, he starts bending down, and he's going, he 
goes, oh, it's a little better. He, he sits down again, he turns his chair towards me. He says, pray for both of them. <laughs> so I pray for him again, and he goes, my knees are getting warm. I said, oh, cool, let's test it again. He walks around, and he's going, oh, it's much better. I said, I prayed for him one more time, and he goes, he walks around, and he goes, and these tears come to his eyes. He goes, oh, the pain is gone, man. And uh, I'm trying to give you the Latino accent there, right? <laughs> and he goes, that is so cool. And, and then he goes, I used to be a Roman Catholic, but now I'm just a Christian. And I go, okay, I'm not sure what that means, but huh, thanks for letting me pray for you. And I went back over, and I just said, you guys, it, you will, God will show you things that you're used to ignoring. It's just a matter of, will you be willing to take a risk and just go ask people and put yourself in a situation? And so these guys are looking at me like I'm Jesus. I just go, you guys, this happens to all of us. We just have to learn to pay attention to it and be willing to be stretched and pay the price. Take a risk, be stretched. So all of you, this stuff happens to you all the time. You're just not, you haven't learned to pay attention to it yet and just act on it. So why don't you stand, let's pray, and we'll send you guys on your way. Jesus, thank you that you're a good shepherd, and we thank you that, that you take care of us. You take good care of us all the time. 